everyone. You're listening to The Michael Amade Show, episode 397. It's better than you think. Early morning coffee, too. Last night, I was driving home late, and my cell phone died. That's the thing I usually listen to audiobooks or podcasts from, um, you know, music. So I didn't really have any of that stuff, so I switched on the radio, and I was just going through the channels. I found myself going on the AM channel and coming across the Glenn Beck show, which I never listened to, and, but I'm, I'm very aware of how much he captivates his audience, and so I'm always studying people from whatever point of view they come from. And so I, I just stopped on it, and I was just listening for a bit, and within 10 minutes, <laughs> which half of it was advertisements for roses for Valentine's Day and stuff, and then he comes on and starts comparing Mexico's uh, economy to Venezuela's economy. And it ends with him predicting that uh, Mexican nationals will flood the southern U.S. border and come murder farmers and American landowners because they stole their land. And he promised that this was going to happen and then from there on out started acting like it was an absolute fact. Um, I found this uh, darkly hilarious and uh, and just very alarmist and thinking that there are so many people who listen to things like this um, and realizing how prevalent it was, it made me think about about just the whole infrastructure of the media and the way its job now is to keep us just outraged, how now our politicians have discovered the secret and they're doing it as well. Um, I just, it feels like everybody's trying to engender outrage and anger and you know, uh, being triggered and angry and, and whatever. And I, I really uh, just kind of sat with me and I thought, you know, this is a choice we're making. This morning I wake up and I see someone post an article on social media saying that one third of Americans believe that six million people didn't die during the Holocaust. And of course, all these people are sounding off and really upset about it. Well, one, the six, the six million, I meant six million if I said 6,000. It's still a little early. Um, if, uh, uh, you know, six million is a guess. I mean, historians have said that it's, it's close, but it's a guess, whatever. That doesn't even matter. One third is a ridiculously high number. And I've never come across anything that would ever make me consider that one third I don't think that's real. I think it's an inflated number. All of this to say, I think we need to talk about what's good in the world. I think we need to talk about why now is one of the best times, if not the best time, to have ever been alive in all of history. And yes, apparently I just said alive, so we're just going to have to roll with that. So here are some reasons why it is better to be alive now. Firstly, I want to lead off with a quote by Steven Pinker. He has a book called Enlightenment Now, which I think is a beautiful book. Um, also, another one I would recommend is Abundance by Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler. Those are great books as well. But this is a quote from Steven Pinker. Remember your math. An anecdote is not a trend. Remember your history. The fact that something is bad today 
doesn't mean that it was better in the past. For all the bleeding headlines, for all the crises, collapses, scandals, plagues, epidemics, and existential threats, these are accomplishments to savor. What are some things, what's some proof that now is a better time to be alive than ever before? Let's get into it. Here's an interesting one. If you follow the media at all, you'd suddenly think there's Nazis around every corner, right? Just kind of like the Red Scare back in the 60s. Now we're all worried about Nazis everywhere. But in fact, if you look at the data, if we look at um, if we look at statistics about kind of language jokes used, search histories, everything like that, that AI kind of can pull out of like Google, for instance, we're finding out we're less prejudiced. It's actually dropping consistently. Private prejudice is declining with time and it's also declining with youth, which means we can expect it to decline still further as aging bigots seed the stage to less prejudiced cohorts. That's a pinker quote right there. And I think that is very, very telling. So while we're hearing more and more that we're being more incredibly prejudiced or that we're finding these people, and yes, there are outliers or people wearing SS hats at uh, public events and things. And I've seen these people be called out proudly. I've seen videos posted that my own cousin calling someone out about that, and I'm very proud of her for it. Um, However, we need to realize that statistically from what we can see, what people are doing on their own internet, their own search that we have records of, and what they're commenting, it actually is dropping. That's a big thing to pay attention to. The next thing, we have more disposable income. Here's a uh, quick um, brief thing here. In addition to having more time on our hands thanks to reduced housework, time doing laundry dropped 11.5 hours a week in 1920 to an hour and a half, in 1920 to an hour and a half in 2014, for example, we have more disposable income for non-essentials. In 1929, Americans spent more than 60% of their money on necessities. Today, that number is closer to a third. As the necessities of life get cheaper, we have more time and money left over. Here's a really, really big one. We're smart. Uh, We're smarter now. Pinker believes the growth of education represented by the growth of literacy is a flagship of human progress. I happen to agree with them. There's a lot of statistics to back that up. Educated people tend to be less racist, sexist, homophobic, place higher values on imagination and are more likely to vote, volunteer, and trust their fellow citizens. Before the 17th century, literacy was the privilege of a small elite in Western Europe. Now 83% of the world is literate. Even that figure underestimates the future of literacy, writes Pinker. In many Middle Eastern and North African countries, more than three quarters of the people over 65 are illiterate, whereas the rate for those in their teens and 20s is in the single digits. The world literacy rate for young adults aged 15 to 24 in 2010 was 91%. Wow, that's amazing. How cool is that? we're getting to this point we're an educated planet it's also wonderful because we're living longer life expectancy in 2015 is 78 uh 78.96 years it's nine years longer than what it was a half century ago now since the mid 18th century global life expectancy rose from 29 years where it had hovered for 225 years to 71.4 in 2015 and of course then in america it's higher Back in the 1700s, a third of children born were in the, in the richest parts of the world died before their fifth birthday. Today, that late or that fate befalls 6% of the children 
in the poorest parts. That's huge. I know I'm going a bit long, so I'm going to kind of make this faster here. We're safer these days. So it's safer because of building codes, laws, inspection regimes, best practices, things. We're learning more and more all of the time to make things safer. Now, I know there's a lot of people who are really kind of hesitant about the self-driving car thing. But I want you to consider if when we finally make the move where cars are self-driving, they're able to respond 100,000 times faster than a human being based on 100,000 more data points than a human being can take in. Think about how the rate of accidents will drop. Think about how much safer it will actually be on the road. I know it's hard for us to give up that control, but the fact is that computers, AI, will actually be better at it than we are, and they'll be better at keeping us from, uh, from you know, harm, basically. So you think about it when you have, um, yeah, there is still train accidents, there are still things like that, but a lot of times that actually deals with human error. It's very rarely when autopilot crashes itself. And so I think once the technology is perfected, that's going to be a huge, huge change in safety for us as well. Next point, we are more free. After a big increase in democratic countries following the fall of the Berlin Wall, there was a third wave of democracies in the form of color revolutions, which is in quotations, which include countries like Croatia, Serbia, Georgia, Ukraine, and Kyrgyzstan, which helped push the total number of global democracies to 103 as of 2015. These 1,000 are these 103 countries house 56% of the world. All right, so the, the fact is that we get a total of two-thirds of the world's population living in a free or relatively free society compared with less than two-fifths in 1950 and 7% in 1850. Of all the people living in the 60 non-democratic countries today, four-fifths reside in a single country, China. That's a quote from Pinker at the very end there. That's a huge thing to realize. We're becoming more and more free, and I think the um, what we're accepting from the people who are in positions of, quote, power, I think is starting to change a bit more. I'm personally all for more personal freedom, more ability for us to make our own decisions, and less people having to squash us and tell us what we need to do and treat us like children, basically, right? But then again, I'm also for the thing that does not perpetuate a, you know, elite class ruling everything just because they have a lot of money as well. So um, while I'm not for redistribution and I am for personal freedom, I do understand that uh, some people have very, um, you know, as some people will, have rigged the game. But let's get into this here, though, too. We're also richer. The story of global wealth, and I'm quoting here, uh, goes as follows. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Boom. That's Pinker again. The world's income tripled between 1820 and 1900. 50 years later, it tripled again. And another 25 years later, it tripled again. 33 years later, um, it once more increased by a magnitude of three. And this isn't true of just the world's richest nations. Since 1995, 30 of the world's 109 developing countries, including Bangladesh, El Salvador, Ethiopia, Georgia, Mongolian, or Mongolia, Mozambique, Panama, Rwanda, Uzbekistan, and Vietnam, have enjoyed income growth rates that doubled every 18 years. And all this is to say that's awesome here is the birth rates, the thing we've been worried about with overpopulation. It's falling. The world population growth rate peaked at 2.1% in 1962, falling to 1.2% 1 in 2010. Pinker estimates that by 2050, our growth rate will be less than 0.5% and it might hit zero in 2070. 
which is a little scary if you think about that, though. He attributes this trend to the growing wealth and education of the world where parents no longer breed lar large broods as insurance and women delay having children. Though fertility rates have fallen in developed countries like Europe and Japan, he's also seen this trend in other parts of the world. Despite the widespread belief that uh, Muslim societies are resistance to the social changes that have transformed the West, writes Pinker, Muslim countries have seen a 40% decline in fertility over the past three decades, including a 70% drop in Iran and a 60% drop in Bangladesh. A lot of this has to do with education as well, which leads me to probably my last point because I've gone a little long here which is, you know, there's a lot of discussion now about uh, feminism. And I think that word is, it's such a huge topic. It's such a huge range of what a feminist could be. It, it kind of feels a little scary sometimes for people to even say, I am or I'm not, because you don't know what you're inviting by saying that. I stay very curiously quiet. Um, I'm a hundred percent for equality. I'm a hundred percent for uh, for everything that needs to happen. I spend my days trying to encourage both boys and girls to realize they can do anything they want and they are just as capable. And I realize we have to kind of engender this in our culture so, so people kind of grow up believing that they're capable. I'm aware that I was um, in, a, in the family, I was in everything. I was never told that I wasn't able to be something. So for me, I'm coming from a place where I, I had that. Um, but that doesn't mean that we need to tear anyone else down. But here's the thing that I'm looking forward to. When I hear the phrase, the future is female, I look past any of the, the uh, negative connotations of that because I believe that it's the future is for all of us. But as I see more education specifically going into the poorer countries in the world and specifically targeting women who have been the most lacking in education, we're starting to see more and more education coming to these women. Now the effects of education on women is drastic. The, their birth rate falls, children are better educated, they're healthier, societies become more profitable. This is wonderful and I'm so excited to see what happens as these women who are underrepresented. I'm not talking about the people here in the United States. I'm talking about the people in Sub-Saharan Africa, the people who really still don't have a voice because we're dealing with celebrities in uh, LA and glorifying them for speaking out, which fine, fair enough. However, there's people who really need our help. And I think the fact that they are starting to get the education, they're starting to take ownership, they're starting to move into positions of leadership. That's exciting for me because the effects of that on our culture, on our society as a global entity is going to be um, just something that I think is really going to revolutionize everything for us. At any rate, whether you agree with me or not, you know, um, I just believe looking at statistics, looking at just kind of lifestyle. In fact, I'm sitting here drinking warm coffee on a cold winter morning. I'm talking to you and I'm comfortable. I feel good and it does not cost me a fortune. I'm not one of the elite uh, in my country anyway. In the world, I'm sure I must be financially, um, but most of us are. And uh, I, guys, the world is so much better than it's ever been. Don't buy in to the outrage porn um, it's just there to get our attention. It's just there to trigger us emotionally so they can get, they can sell us more stuff. The world is great. Remember that, carry it with you throughout the day and share it with other people you meet. I think the world needs that. I'll do it. Hopefully you'll join me too.
If you want to send me a message, you can, michaelomedy.com. Just put it in the contact form. If you find yourself being creative with poetry, lyrics, or short fiction, consider listening to my radio show, World Poetry Open Mic. We broadcast every Friday at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can find us at worldpoetryopenmic.net. But for this podcast, I decided to kind of switch to mornings for a bit because i got to be honest, I kind of like doing it like this. And I think it's a little bit of a switch from last year where I was doing it kind of lucidly when I'm getting ready to go to bed. So now I think doing it in the morning, there might be some different ideas and maybe uh, kind of switch things up a little bit. So I'll do this again tomorrow morning. So until then, keep living authentically, keep living creatively. Have a great day.